All right. Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the, f- the actual seventh and final week of our series entitled, You'll Get Through This. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Every week, I want to always welcome the men and women at the St. Tammany Parish Jail as well, the Orleans Justice Center. We are so honored to have you with us. You know, I'm finishing up. I actually added a week. It was supposed to be a six-week series, but how many know the preacher can add a week if he wants? I actually, I've now gone seven weeks, and the reason why is because I wasn't finished the book. Now, I want to say this for all the administrative people. I've been teaching through the book of Philippians. I'm going to read every verse so you don't email me this week. We are finishing up, and I'm going to ask you to open to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Again, a very, very powerful book. I like to teach you books of the Bible. I'll do one in the spring, one in the fall, sometimes in the summertime. And uh, just a joy for me. I hope you've been reading along with us today. I want to finish up Philippians chapter 4. I want to read the last verses as Paul concludes his letter. I want to talk to you about what it means to really live a blessed life. What does Paul mean when he talks about living a blessed life? Speaking of blessed, there's a man who was bear hunting. He was actually in Alaska, and he'd hunted all week. He'd scheduled a week off from work. And he was, man, he was really going for it. He was looking all, I mean, just high and low. And he was really frustrated. the last day, he thought, man, there's just no bears here. I can't find one. We haven't been able to get one. And and so he, he actually, in frustration, throws his gun down and walks toward a stream just to be able to drink out. You can drink right out of the streams there in Alaska. He begins to lean over to the stream, and sure enough, he looks up. Now, he doesn't have his gun. He looks up, and here comes this bear, this big grizzly bear running at him. He thought to himself, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So he says, he throws up a prayer. He says, God, he says, oh, God, I I need your protection. Help me, God. Lord, I'm asking that you'd make that bear a Christian. Immediately, that bear stops, raises his hands up to heaven, and says, Lord, bless this food I'm about to receive. Be careful what you pray for. Be careful. Everybody say blessed. Hey, by the way, I want to tell our campuses, Baton Rouge, our South Shore campus, Gulf Coast campus, all those that are joining us online as well. Next week, uh, we are going to be beginning. It's actually over a three-week period, but we're going to be kicking off next week our 20th anniversary celebration. I'm going to be teaching a series on vision called 2020. And uh, how God wants us to see. Uh, 20. By the way, we've accomplished 20 years with the Lord here at Church of the King, and we're excited about the next 20. How many are excited about the next 20? Come on, anybody? So you do not want to miss that. Philippians chapter 4, uh, I'm going to pick up there today. We began this series seven weeks ago, and I began to teach through the book of Philippians, and I told you that, and I'm going to give you a little bit of backdrop just here for about two minutes. Uh, to give you some context. Again, Paul the Apostle was writing a letter. We call him the book of Philippians. It wasn't actually a book. It was actually a letter. Where was Paul? Paul in 60 AD was actually in jail. He was in jail for preaching the gospel in prison, all right? 60 AD, he was writing this. Who was he writing it to? He was writing it to the church at Philippi that he planted in 50 AD, 10 years before. Three primary reasons why he was writing this letter. Number one, and I mentioned all this week one, number one, he was commending them and encouraging them 
and admonishing them at all costs to maintain unity in the church, to walk in joy and harmony and unity, to not allow divisions to come into the church. I mean, there's something special when there's unity in a church. Number two, the second reason why he was writing this letter, encouraging this church that he planted, was there was a man named Epaphrodites, a Greek name. He was a man who actually brought a gift to Paul while he was in prison. The problem was when he got to Paul, he got sick, and so he delayed his return. So in essence, he was writing a defense letter back to the church at Philippi saying, hey guys, don't judge this guy. He got sick. He's coming back. So it was a re-entry back into the Philippian church, kind of an affirmation letter of why it's taken so long for Epaphroditus to get back. The third reason I mentioned in week one that Paul was writing this letter is Paul was writing this letter to thank them for their faithful giving into the gospel. Paul was an apostle, and as he was opening up Europe for the gospel, and he was preaching all these different places, it was the Philippian church, by the way. Over and above many of the other churches, the Philippian church was a generous church. Matter of fact, he was holding them up as somewhat of a prototype of this is what generosity looks like. Matter of fact, Paul in Macedonia, Berea's there, Philippi's there, and Thessalonica, they actually raised the money for Paul to go to Thessalonica. First two churches planted in the New Testament, the church at Philippi and the church at Thessalonica. So in other words, Paul was saying, listen, guys, I want to just say this, man. You guys have been hitting it out of the park. You guys are generous. You guys are faithful in your giving. And because of that, listen to this, because of your faithful giving, I've been able to reach a lot of people for Christ. I want to thank you for that. I want to pick up on that last and final theme because that's actually what Paul addresses in chapter 4. Paul addresses in Philippians chapter 4 the last few concepts of why he was so proud of them, specifically related to their giving into gospel ministry. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 and 19. Here's what Paul said again. He's finishing up this letter. Nevertheless, you have done well that you share with me in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginnings of the gospel, remember this, the church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica, the two first churches, they were close to one another. Two of the first churches that were birthed in the gospel, in the New Testament, all right? You also know the beginnings of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia. No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. There was opportunity for others to give, but you guys really stepped up to the plate. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift. He says, guys, it's not about me. It wasn't that it was, I was concerned about me, but I seek, watch this, and I'm going to unpack this in a few moments. He says, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full. I've received from Epaphroditus. There's the man that brought the gift. The things that you sent. That gift was a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Wait a minute. It was a gift to Paul for gospel ministry, but it actually went through Paul and went to heaven. I'm going to unpack that as well. Look at verse 19. And my God, everybody say, my God. Probably one of the most quoted verses in the New Testament. Actually, the last two weeks, I'm utilizing verses that I'm just teaching through Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's probably one of the most quoted in the And this is maybe one of the second. 
all right? And my God shall supply all of your need, Paul's saying, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I do want to just suggest a caveat there. This verse is often taken out of context. I'm going to show you the context in which Paul wrote this. Now, I want to talk to you about three things how Paul commends them. Number one, Paul would say this. Paul affirms their giving. Paul affirms right off the bat in the very first chapter and in the fourth chapter. Again, the very beginning of his letter and the very ending of his letter. Paul says this. Paul says, I commend you. I affirm. Now, who is Paul? Paul is a Jewish believer in Jesus. And by the way, Paul knew the Bible. He knew the Old Testament. Matter of fact, as a Jewish boy, he had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Again, even today, at 13 years old, young Jewish boys in in very strict uh, Jewish families, they will memorize. Well, Paul did the whole first five books of the Bible. As a matter of fact, he was a Pharisee as well, which means that he didn't know just the first five books. He knew the whole Old Testament. Paul was very well-versed in the Old Testament. He understood the scriptures. He understood the stories. He understood what took place in the book of Exodus when when Moses raised his hands and and the Red Sea parted. But he also understood in the book of Genesis a principle. A principle that God laid out in the very beginning. I would call it an immutable law. In other words, it's inviolable. It's just like the law of gravity. If I jump off of the stage, I'm falling out. Matter of fact, people get nervous when I get close to the end of the stage. Oh, he's going to fall off. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not going to. But the reality is there's certain laws that are set up, that God set up. And I'm going to mention a couple. I'm going to mention a couple principles that Paul would have understood. This is all very germane and important to the book of Philippians. Look at Genesis chapter 8. Paul would have memorized this verse as a young Jewish boy. While the earth remains, is the earth remain right now, yes or no? Come on, say it. Yeah, we're still on the earth, right? There's coming a day when heaven and earth will pass away. There's coming a day in the Bible, we've taught about in the book of Revelation, the earth as we know it, there's going to be some, there, there's some, going to be some changes. But the earth remains as, as it is, just like it was in that day. The earth, <clears throat> he says, there's actually four immutable things that as long as the earth is around are going to happen. Number one, seed time and harvest. Number two, cold and heat. How many are grateful for a little cool breeze lately? Come on, anybody? <clears throat> a little cool breeze. Number three, winter and summer. By the way, it doesn't matter whether or not you believe in these, you're going to participate in them. It doesn't matter if you say, oh, I don't care about that. I don't care about winter. No, no, winter and summer, there's going to be winter. Then there's going to be spring. Then there's going to be summer. Then there's going to be fall. doesn't matter. You can deny the groundhog. You can do whatever you want. I'm telling you, the next season's coming because God set it up this way. He said also day and night. Now there is a global phenomenon going on where there are considering shifting daylight savings. It doesn't happen all over the world, by the way, but, but even nationally, we're thinking, but that is just shifting a clock. You can't stop day and night. I want to unpack that first one. While the earth remains, everybody say this word. What does this word say? It Seed time. And what's this next word? Harvest. Paul understood something about seed time and harvest. The Bible was written in an agrarian culture. Agriculturally speaking, he understood seed time and harvest. Another analogous terms the Bible would use is sowing. Everyone say sowing and reaping. 
So seed time and harvest. Now, let me explain something. Yes, that's talking about initially a literal seed going in the ground and a literal harvest. So I'm planting, I'm planting a seed of whatever, a cucumber seed, it's going to produce a cucumber. But the Bible makes an analogy with this principle, seed time and harvest. Don't miss this. Sowing and reap. The Bible itself, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the Bible, the Old Testament writers, Jesus himself, I'll mention in a moment, and Paul the Apostle, they're the ones that make the analogy and import the concept of our finances actually being seed and we sow it and there's a harvest attached to it. God makes that analogy. Now let me go back to Philippians chapter four and I'll show you how Paul picks up this theme because he understood, he understood this concept of sowing and reaping. Remember why he's commending the Philippian church. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. So they sowed, they invested, they planted. Now you Philippians know also in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning, here it is. Here it is. It's the same concept of seed time and harvest. No church uh, uh, share with me concerning two things. Everybody say this. What's this word say it? Giving. Notice. Notice. He doesn't just say giving. He doesn't stop just there. But he actually adds a second part of that because he understood Genesis chapter 8. He understood the principle, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He says, no church share with me, gave to me concerning giving. And what's this next word? Say it. Wait a minute, pastor. So wait a minute. Time out, time out, time out. So Paul is now commending them for their giving, but he's also affirming them for their positioning to receive. Wow. Paul knew something. Paul understood something that as we give into the gospel, not just good causes, but God causes. There's a lot of good causes out there in the world, a lot of good things. But there's something about when we give into the gospel. They were giving into the gospel, into Paul's apostolic ministry as he was planting churches. As people were coming to Christ, as people were being won to Jesus and baptized and discipled. There's something about giving into the gospel. Jesus himself taught this principle of giving and receiving, Luke chapter 6. It's all over the Bible. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Seed time and harvest, giving and receiving. They're all, it's the same principle. Give, and it shall be given to you. There it is. Good measure and pressed down. These are the words of Jesus. And shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. It shall be measured back to you. Pastor, why is it that we give? Well, we give for three reasons. Number one, we give because we love God. Number two, we give because we love, listen, people being reached for Christ. But we also give because we, listen, because we need a good harvest in our life. By the way, I love what Pastor Robert Morris, some of you guys may know him. He's preached here before. and He's actually going to be on a video in a couple of weeks uh, just, just affirming us in our celebration of 20 years. But I love what Pastor Robert Morris says. We don't give to get. We give to bless. But when we do, we ultimately receive. See, it's a principle we tap into. Paul says, you guys have tapped into a universal principle. You've tapped into a principle that God set up. Listen, 
Before the foundations of time, God set up a principle. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. It's seed time and it's harvest. It's sowing and it's reaping. And it's interesting, we talk a lot about sowing seeds. But we often don't talk about the soil in which those seeds go. See, what I've found out as I've walked with God, matter of fact, I'm not a farmer, but I do understand something a little bit about just planting. I've, I've, I have a yard, and I do know that it's not just the seed, but it's also, it's also, the, it's also the soil that seed's planted. The, 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 the opportunity for that seed to grow is often contingent upon not just the, the seed, but also the soil. Everyone say soil. Paul is affirming the church at Philippi because they were planting their seed in gospel ministry. There's something about when we plant our seed in the gospel. I want to say this again. I want all of our campuses to hear me. Listen, there's a lot of good causes out there, but there's no cause like gospel cause. There's no cause when somebody's being, like, like when somebody's being saved and water baptized and decide there's something about there's a God blessing those that are sowing into people coming to Christ. Paul said, listen, you guys have done well and I affirm you because you've sown in gospel soil. By the way, that's why we as a church, that's why we give away 10% of our income and we sow in a God. That's why we plant churches. That's why we want to invest in ministries that are winning people to Christ. People are being discipled. People are being brought up in the Lord. They're going, that's why church planting it. Whether it's Pastor Jason Robinson in Houston, Texas with Church of the King or Pastor Aaron and Erica Grijalda in, 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 in San Antonio last year, Arise Church doing fantastic, so proud of them. Whether it's being a part of ARC, a church planning network where we give each month, whether it's all over the world, whether it's equipped missions where we give towards that, where, 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 where there's a preaching of the gospel, around. we, we want to plant, listen, our seed in gospel soil. Paul said, Paul said, you've done well. You've done very, very well. Number one, Paul affirmed their giving. Number two, Paul would say that your giving credits your heavenly account. Now, this is powerful. I need everybody to stay with me. I've never taught on this principle before. I was studying this. I actually taught through Philippians probably 15 years ago. But as I was studying it this week, I was just overwhelmed by this verse. And again, I'm just reading the verses each week. I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I'm looking at commentaries, what other men and women have written, what other people. And, and I'm just, I'm looking in scripture and I realized something this week that we have an account. You have an account. You have a Chase account maybe. You have a Regents account. But you have a heavenly account. Look what Paul says here. This is powerful. Now remember, he, number one, he affirms their giving. Number two, he talks about an account Look at verse 17 and 18. And by the way, it's located in heaven. Look what he says. Not that I seek the gift. Paul said, look, it's not about me. This isn't about me. But he says, I seek the fruit that abounds to your what? Say it, your, well, where's that account? You know, it's helpful. Sometimes we ought to stop when we're actually reading the Bible and go, okay, what are they talking about? What is Paul talking about right here? Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit. Well, what fruit? What fruit is he talking about? So apparently, okay, I took accounting. I took, I took financial accounting, management accounting. I'm not as smart as all you accounts. I know basic level accounting, all right? But, but I understand debits and credits. But somehow, somehow, somehow my, my account, somehow I'm being, 
I'm, there's a, my account is getting credited with something. Something that I'm doing on earth is transferring to heaven. So something I'm doing here is being credited to my account in heaven. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the a fruit that abounds to your, again, say it, your account. This word is actually the Greek word lagos, which is the word word eight times in the, New, eight times in the Bible. It's translated specifically a financial account. Wow, what is Paul talking about here? An account. Look at verse 18 here. He goes a step further. Indeed, I have all and I abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things you sent. They gave an offering to Paul, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Time out, time out. So the Philippian church gave a financial gift to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus brought it to Paul because Paul was a gospel preacher. He got out of jail, and he began to preach the gospel all over. But the reality is he was defining for them that that gift actually, it, 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 it technically went to Paul, but it actually went through Paul, and, and, and there's a Roma that actually got to heaven. Wow. Pastor, I've never really heard this before. What's in the Bible? You have an account, and I have an account. There's nothing more frustrating in the world than going to the bank or you're, 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 you have a debit card, whatever, and you realize that, that your account is empty. Worse, it's overdrawn. Then you start getting those sweet little letters. The question is, is there anything in our account? Is there anything in your heavenly account? Jesus talked about an account I've never taught on this before. 20 years. I've never taught. I've never, I've never taught on it. But there's an account. Look at Jesus talked about an account. Matthew chapter 6. Now it's all going to come together. Remember, we're talking about sowing and reaping. So I'm sowing. My sowing is in a gospel ministry. And somehow there's an account attached to that. Here's what he said. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but where thieves break in and steal. Let me pause right there for a moment. We believe, and I teach you guys, we always compare Scripture with Scripture. God's not against us having a savings or retirement account because in the book of Proverbs, he talks about a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But what he is saying is that we don't just do this. There's nothing wrong with having an earthly account, but you better have a heavenly account. Look at the next verse. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Well, where are they going? How am I going to? What, are you, what is he talking about? Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven? In heaven's doing pretty good, isn't it? They think, do you think that God needs your money? God, where are those people down there in Mandeville? Church of the King, Baton Rouge. I mean, come on. We, no, no, no. Here, here's what he says. Lay up for yourself. So you're the one that's laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. But where are they getting stored? They're getting stored in an account. Stay with me. Where neither, raw, where, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. The question is, how do I transfer what I've got down here to my account up there? Paul says the way that you transfer it is when you give your resources in the gospel ministry and people are born again, their transformed life, listen, is credited to your heavenly account. In other words, when you give to see people born again, it transfers to an account that you'll have for eternity. Do you know that you and I are going to meet people in heaven one day that you had a small part in seeing them come to Christ? Isn't that going to be the greatest thing in the world? 
When you get to heaven because you gave to some missionary or because you did something and you shared Christ with somebody or because you gave to somebody who went on a mission trip and they did something and they want somebody to Christ, I'm telling you, Paul says and Jesus says, it's getting credited to your account. How many of y'all want something in your account in heaven? Come on. How many of y'all want something? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How many of you know our heart follows where we put our money? If we just put our money in earthly things, nothing wrong with that, but your heart's there. Our heart better be at least heavenward at some point, right? It's going to follow. Our heart's going to follow where we put our resources. Wow. The Bible also talks about, the Apostle Paul also talks about an aroma. I want everybody to hear me. Stay with me. An aroma. An aroma is a fragrance. A fragrance that's pleasing to God. I've always, I've been a Christian for 30 years and I've always thought to myself, man, I want to be pleasing to God. I, I, I want to make sure that my life, my witness, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm in process. But, but the Bible talks about an aroma. Three different places in the Bible, the Bible talks about something that is happening on earth that actually becomes an aroma to God. So something that happens. Number one in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, sacrifices that were sacrificed were sweet-smelling aromas to God. A sacrifice in the Old Testament was a sweet-smelling aroma because it was a foretaste of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Number two, the second aroma is Christ himself when he died on the cross. We celebrated communion and took communion as a church today. When, 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 when Jesus died on the cross, it was a sweet-smelling aroma to God the Father. Paul talks about our lives are an aroma to those around us. But Paul the Apostle also talks about, and the Bible also talks about, when we give of our finances into gospel ministry, it doesn't just stop there. It goes through that transaction and that changed life and that resource goes up to the very nostrils of God, and God says, that's a good thing. It's a sweet-smelling aroma. Those are my kids, and my kids are investing in seeing other people become my kids, and, and, and that's a sweet-smelling aroma. I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, when we get to heaven, I'm telling you, we're going to see our lives that have made an impact on people in the here and now. I, I want my account filled in heaven. How about you? There's two primary ways that, that the Bible talks about. I'll take two minutes on this, and i got one more point. Has anybody learned anything today? Hey, listen, sometimes, sometimes the teaching on the weekend is, man, that's exciting. Pastor was funny. I don't know what he talked about, but he was funny. But this is a thinking message. This is a thinking message. Obviously, I'm always teaching the Bible, but sometimes I'm a little bit more inspirational. This is a teaching message. I'm teaching right through the scripture. Oh, by the way, I got to do this real quick so people won't judge me this week. Wait a minute. Philippians, go back, go there real quick. Philippians chapter 4. Can y'all pull up those last couple verses? People are going to email me. Wait, give me, give me those last couple verses. Can y'all pull them up? Can y'all, is anybody, can y'all, can anybody just, okay, yeah, 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 that's right. Go to 19, go to 20, go to 20, go to 20. Can you go to 20? Wait a minute, somebody emailed me this week and said, Pastor, sometime when you did this before. Wait, where is the book of Philippians? I've lost it. Pull up 20 in the name of Jesus, quickly. Okay, wait, wait, okay, wait, here I go, here I go. Now to God the Father be glory forever. Greet every saint in Jesus, the brethren who with you, all the saints, the grace will, amen. Okay, I did the whole book. I did the whole book. I had somebody last year say, pastor didn't finish. 
So now all the administrative people can enjoy their lunch. Hey, real quick, guys. Two, two primary ways that we see in the Bible. Two primary ways that we see in the Bible that we give in the gospel ministry. There's two ways that giving is defined. Number one is tithing and offerings. Matter of fact, every year I usually do one message. This year I don't have the time because of our Vision, Vision 2020 series starting next week. But I'll take two minutes right here. There's, there's, there are two primary ways in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, that giving is recorded. Number one is your tithe, and number two is offerings. So Paul would say, as we tithe and as we give our offerings into gospel ministry, and somebody's life is transformed. That, that life, that transformed life, is credited to your earthly account. You say, Pastor, what is a tithe? I'll take two minutes right here. I usually do a whole message this year. I'm not able to, but I'm going to tell you this. A tithe is simple. Malachi chapter 3, the Bible says bring all the tithes. It's actually the Hebrew word masar, and it means a tenth. Your campus pastors at all the campuses, they'll talk about as we give our first 10% to God. Off of our increase, whatever our increase is, the first 10%, it belongs to God. Well, where does it go? The place that you're fed spiritually, into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house, and try me in this, saith the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. There is blessing in the scripture to the tither. An offering is over and above the tithe. Now, let me say this. It is very important, the soil that you're putting it, I would never go to a church that people don't get saved, are not water baptized, and are not raised up and discipled in Christ. Because that's good fruit. And I say that respectfully. If people are not being saved, that's good soil. That means God is working. That means miracles are happening. That means transformed lives are happening. And I want to encourage you guys. Maybe you're not a tither. Maybe you've never given offerings before. Why not start now? The reason why is the third and final thing I'll tell you. The third and final thing I'll tell you is this. Paul said... Here it is. He says that your giving, your giving actually positions you. It positions you for supernatural blessing. Pastor, what are you talking about? How does my giving, how does my giving position me for supernatural blessing? What's well, the Bible talks about? That's what Paul's talking about. He's finishing up the letter. He said, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving. Question, did Paul give back to them? He didn't give finances back to them. I'll I tell you who did. God did. By the way, blessing in the scripture doesn't just, just include finances. It, it includes finances. But the blessing, how I many you know the blessing of God is every part of our lives? Come on, are y'all with me or not? Every part of our lives. Probably one of the most misquoted scriptures in all the Bibles right here. And I'll close with this. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul says, because you guys are givers, because you guys are generous, because you guys are sowers, let me tell you something, your position, and my God, here's what he said, and my God, based upon the fact that you're a sower, and my God shall supply. Philippian church, listen to me. Church of the King, listen to me. And my God shall supply all of your need, all of the needs, all of our needs. So actually our giving is connected to all of our needs. This is Big propositions here. And by the way, there's always a premise before a promise. There's something that we do to meet a condition. This is important. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He did the work, we do the trust. And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches, according to that heavenly realm. I thank God that we're not limited just by what we have down here, but there's a supernatural God that's working supernaturally on our behalf according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 
Paul would say this. Paul would say, and so important that we understand this, that, that because we are generous, because we are givers, because we are faithful in our tithes and our offerings, we are positioned for supernatural increase. By the way, how silly would it be if I stood in the middle of a pumpkin patch and there was no pumpkins, but I was waiting for there to be pumpkins, but I never sowed a pumpkin seed? If a farmer is like, man, I'm waiting for this a pumpkin, this is a pumpkin place, but there's no pumpkins. And we're looking around, and somebody goes, why don't you plant some seeds, Mr. Farmer? It's not that far off in our own lives. When we're looking for the blessing of God, and the question is, have we invested? Have we have sown? Whatsoever man soweth. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. I'm trying to get you like Paul. I'm trying to get you to understand this is a principle. You talk about a fun life. You talk about an exciting life. When you become generous and you become a tither and giving offerings and investing in gospel ministry and seeing lives transform, and giving to evangelistic things where people are being born again, it's amazing. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also what? Everybody say it. Reap. Listen, if you sow, here it is. If you sow, if you sow apple seeds, you're gonna reap what? Say it, apples. If you sow orange seeds, you're gonna reap what? Say it, oranges. If you sow, listen, here it is. If you sow nothing, you're gonna reap what? Say it, weeds. Weeds come up. I don't want weeds in my life. If you sow resources into the kingdom of God, God says, listen, you can stand in faith. You can stand in faith. And you can say, Lord, I'm a giver. I have a covenant with you. I've been saved. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I stand in covenant with Almighty God. And I have a heavenly account. And I've been sowing into the gospel. I've been sowing into the gospel. I've been faithfully a tither for years, Lord. Faithfully, Lord God. I've been giving over and above offerings and seeing lives transformed to missionaries and evangelistic ministries and things where people are born again. God, I'm in covenant with you. Lord, I'm positioned for a harvest. Lord, I'm doing my part. I thank you. You're doing your... Lord, we're, there's, a, there's a supernatural multiplication. There's a multiplication to seed that's sown. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I'm telling you, there's a multiplication. God gives seed to the sower. He's giving you seed, sir. Ma'am, he's giving you seed for a reason. Bread for food, to put food on your table, but also to supply and multiply the seed that you've sown. He multiplies it. Lord, I thank you for multiplication. I thank you, Lord God. Paul says, church, church at Philippi, I'm proud of you guys. And I want to say this, how proud I am of you guys at Church of the King. 20 years, and I want to be careful because I could slip into next week's talk and the following week, but I'm so proud of this church. The thousands and thousands of people at our Baton Rouge campus, our Little Creek campus, our South Shore campus, Gulf Coast campus, those that are in prisons and jails online, I mean, they, all the, all, it's just so many people. And I'm going to tell you why they've been reached, because of your generosity. Because this church, I'm going to tell you, you guys get this verse. You get this. And that's why we'll give millions of dollars away in the gospel ministry. I mean, let me tell you something. Church of the King, there's a rumor about Church of the King. Here it is. That's a generous church. How many know that's a good rumor? Come on, are y'all with me or not? You guys are generous people. You guys are generous people. I'm telling you, we're positioned for supernatural increase. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that your presence is here. God, that you love us, that you care for us. You've provided for us. and You've equipped us with your word. 
Lord, you've equipped us with the power of your word to walk this kingdom life out. As a matter of fact, maybe you're here today and you're not a believer. We don't want to do anything to embarrass you here at Church of the King, but maybe you've never personally trusted Christ as your Savior. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Belonging to a church can't save you. Your uncle, who's a deacon at a church, he can't save you. We can pray for you. I can point to Jesus, but Jesus is the one that saves. So my question is, at all of our campuses, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, I'm going to ask for a show of a hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. The Holy Spirit's been dealing with you all several. You know who you are. Right where you're sitting, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me and cleanse me. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it, so I can pray for you. God bless you over there. God bless you, sir, right here. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you guys up top. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you as well, sir. Is anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus this morning. Come on, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses. If you prayed and trusted Christ as your Savior, there's a card behind your chair. It's called My Decision. I'm going to ask you to fill it out. By the way, up front are prayer team will be here. You can give it to them or find somebody with a blue shirt in all of the commons areas of all of our campuses. They got some information for you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Again, you do not want to miss next week, 2020. It's going to be fun for the whole entire family. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. God, I thank you that you're teaching us how to walk in a supernaturally blessed life. Bless your people as they go forth this day. May the favor of God be upon them. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said...